Good to be here on a Wednesday night. I first attended this church on a Wednesday night, and I'll never forget it. Love to be in Bible study with you on Wednesday night. Galatians chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 3. You may not remember, but several months ago, we ended in Galatians 6 2. Anytime I've, I've been able to come in here, we, we have gone through the book of Galatians. And then I stopped and I, I gave a, a few different kind of messages. And I had a different message I kind of wanted to talk about tonight. But it kept on coming to the back of my mind. You, you didn't finish Galatians. You haven't finished it. I believe we need to finish what we start. I, I teach my kids to finish what they start. If you're going to cheer, you just keep on cheering. You're going to, you're going to join this, the, the soccer team. You play the whole season. So I figured out how to do what I teach my kids to do. So let's finish what we started quite, quite a while back. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 3. And as we refresh ourselves from the messages we've shared, Paul has written this letter to the churches of Galatia. Uh, they were in the process of abandoning true doctrine. They were, they were in the process of abandoning the truth and they started listening to the Jews and religion instead of a relationship with Christ. They were saved by grace. Paul preached the message of the Gospel to them. They were saved by the truth. They started listening to things that they shouldn't have been listening to. And so they're starting to, to think a little different. And, and so that's one reason why Paul was passionate about writing to this church. But also, Paul was defending his apostleship. Paul's apostleship was given to him by God. He knew that he was taught the truth from heaven. But the Jews were saying, Paul's apostleship is of man. And you would find in Galatians, I believe it's the, the very first verse in the opening salutations, that he's an apostle not of men, but of God. So he's defending uh, his ministry and who he is as an apostle against the lies of the legalists that are under the law. And he went on to refresh the Christians there in Galatia on how to live the Christian life. Praise God that we have the ability to actually live for the Lord. And Galatians chapter 5 was a, is a beautiful chapter on, on our ability through our struggles how we can live for the Lord. And so as we get into chapter 6 here, we're going to pick up where Paul's starting to close this letter and he's summing up a lot of the things that he has taught them and touched on and refreshed them on. And he, and he added a, a few new things in here. So what we're going to do, this is going to kind of seem and sound like Proverbs tonight maybe. We're just going to go verse by verse and we're going to point out and share what Paul has closed with them what he closes with is not only good for the churches in Galatia, it's good for you and I too. And the first thing we see in verse 3, Paul is telling them to watch out for pride. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. As they are being led away from the experience of their relationship with the Lord led away from depending upon God's grace, and they're in this religious false rat race of trying to earn 
their way with God or trying to achieve a salvation within themselves and accomplish their own salvation, pride is really ready to take them over. There are a lot of religions in the world today and they thrive because someone says you can be good enough to get to heaven and that builds up the pride in man which is in all men and so those religions seem to seem to prosper for the wrong reasons and in the wrong way. It doesn't amount to anything with God. Nevertheless, you, you touch a man's pride and build it up and, and you can get something going. They have re- tried to reduce Paul and they've slandered Paul, the Jews outside this church that have come in, and they are flattering the church members in there. They're doing what they can to cause a division among the church from the truth. Any, any, any converts of Paul's, the Jews always went after to try to diminish it, to try to tear it down. And so with pride settling in, they start deceiving themselves. You know, it's one thing when you deceive someone else. It's a, it's a completely different thing when you deceive yourself. And, and, and people have deceived themselves and their own religion away from the truth. So, so watch out for pride is the warning that Paul gives them closing in verse 3. And as we go to verse 4, examine yourself is what he felt need to touch on, led by the Holy Spirit. And he says, but let every man prove his own work and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. These churches in Galatia have been so busy listening to the lies that have been told against Paul, listening to the false examination against Paul, and doing their own false examining now through blinded eyes and deceived minds that they have lost check with themselves. They haven't had their check up from the neck up lately with God upon their own lives. You know, it's, it's easy to compare ourselves to someone else and feel pretty good about ourselves and feel like we're all right. It's a, it's a common thing that's done. Well, I'm not the best Christian in the world, but I don't do what so-and-so does at least. That is, that is worthless and completely unprofitable, and it gets us nowhere. But I tell you what, something that we get a blessed benefit from, and that's when we come before our God, and when we examine ourselves before our God, and this is... This is the declaration that Paul has given to them in this verse. I've recently met a fellow, and he's a, he's a great Christian man from what I can gather. It seems to be sincere. And he said that he asks his wife every now and then, how am I doing as a husband, and how could I be better? And, and you know, there's a tendency for, to kind of maybe make a little joke in that or something. But he was as sincere as he could be. He wanted that checkup. He he wanted to know how he was doing. He wasn't depending upon himself. He not only examined himself with God, but he asked his wife to examine him on how he's doing. Whenever we examine ourselves before God, blessed benefits take place. And and we could probably list some all night long, but let's just let's just consider a 
few benefits that happen when we examine ourselves before God. We humbly come before God. We see where we're lacking. We see where we're coming short. And God is so willing to give us the help so that we might so that we might grow, so that we might become stronger in that area that we fall short in. That's what he want, God wants us to do. He wants us to come to Him open and honestly so that He might help us, so that He might strengthen us. And when we examine ourselves before God, we receive the much-needed correction for our lives clearly that we need. God will correct you and I because He loves us and He wants what's good for us. And so Paul is telling them to examine themselves before the Lord. One more, one more, examining ourselves before God brings about a rejoicing in our lives because, well, because we've been with God, we've supped with God, we've spent time with Him, and we are better as a result of spending time with God. You can't lose when you do that. So he not only tells them to watch out for pride, examine yourself, but we'll call this one, give an account. Verse 5. For every man shall bear his own burden. We'll all give an account to God for our deeds done in the flesh. Now if you look back into verse 2, this looks like a contradiction in the Bible where he says, for every man shall bear his own burden in verse 5. In verse 2, he says, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are definitely to be there for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of us are down while others aren't. I have a preacher friend and he said, my wife and I are never down at the same time. Either I'm able to encourage her and help her or she's able to encourage me and to help me. And we all do need to encourage one another. We all do need one another to lean on. There's no doubt about it. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But this idea of every man shall bear his own burden, we will all definitely, we need to learn to stand on our own. We need to learn to, to become strong in the Lord by ourselves. What one fellow always talked about the Bible with, with someone else on the job, and they were of different denominations, and, 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 and one guy was, was putting the finger putting his finger on it in the Bible with what he was saying. And the other one came from the viewpoint of, well, my preacher says, well, my preacher says, and, and the, uh, the guy on the other end said, your preacher isn't always going to be there. What do you, how are you going to answer this and defend yourself when your preacher's not there? We all need to learn to stand on our own. We'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day as children of God, and we're going to give an account for ourselves. We're not, going to, we're not going to have an excuse from someone else's action when we're given an account for our reaction. Okay? There, there's not going to be, but what about so-and-so? That's going to be when God deals with them. Every man shall bear his own burden. Therefore, if we can't use other people for an excuse, or if we can't learn, lean on their action or, or our reaction from it, we, we ought to be that way now. We ought to realize how we're going to give an account to God, and we ought to consider that in, in our dealings in this day and time. We will all give an account. There will be no blame game. No one else will come up when we give an account for our things done in the flesh. Each will bear their own burden. As we look in verses 6 through 8, 
we'll sum this up as be good stewards. Paul's closing and Phil's led of great importance to talk about this. And he says, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Some say they appreciate the church. Some say the church is a blessing to them. But they do not give of the first portion of what God's given them back back to Him. And the way you give to the Lord is through the church. That word in verse 6, communicate, it's a financial term. It's, it's talking about money. And for Paul to bring that up and say that to them, you can, you can imagine the probability of what has taken place. As some of the members of the church are turning from the truth, they're, they're, they're starting to think religiously instead of in relationship. I reckon the preachers are standing strong for the truth in the church against those members. And they've stopped, they've stopped giving. They've, they, they've, they've stopped the support of the, they've stopped giving to the Lord. They've stopped the support of the church. They've stopped the support of the ministerial staff. And so he says, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. You know, if, if one is saying the church is great, I love my church and it's a blessing, but not, but, but not putting it in shoe leather as they should according to the text here, that's saying one thing and it's, and it's doing something completely opposite. And you see the, the seriousness and the devastation uh, of that in the life of that one. My son got in trouble at school the other day. He doesn't get in trouble a whole lot. But he did, and he got a yellow. I don't understand the rankings of these colors exactly, but it's not good if you get any color. And he got a yellow. There's worse colors, but he got that. And I said, son, you don't respect your teacher? Yeah, Dad. Yeah, I love my teacher. Well, she told you to quit being silly, and you kept on. So what you're saying to her is, I do not have to listen to you. I will do whatever I want to do in class. Is that what you want to say? No, Dad, I don't mean that at all. He hates to get in trouble and he hates to disappoint the teacher. However, his actions were opposite of his words. He says, no, I don't want to disappoint the teacher, but what he said did. So, so, so our actions say a whole lot and, and words can't cover up. Actions speak louder than words. That's the saying, right? And, and so their actions aren't, aren't matching up if they're saying they're really wanting to contribute to the church. Now, now as we look in verse 7, he says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The law of reaping and sowing, it is so broad, it it comes into play with anything and everything in your Christian life. And this verse has been used as an example in all kinds of fields and areas of lives. And I've even done it too. But if we're going to specifically keep in, in right keeping with the text, this is talking about a stewardship of material things Um, for this church. And Paul is letting them know that God is keeping record. Paul is refreshing them of this concerning 
concerning their faithfulness in this area. And as we look at verse 8, at the end of this stewardship of our things, it says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Just as a farmer, when he sows potatoes into the ground, he's not going to reap tomatoes. All right? And just as you and I, whether whatever we sow in life, if we sow one kind of life, we're not going to reap another kind of life. What, whatever we sow, that shall we also reap. And, and, and if we invest in the things of the world according to the desires of our flesh, we are not going to reap eternal rewards if we have invested in the world. And it's as simple as that. And it was important enough that Paul pointed this out in the closing of this letter to the churches in Galatia. As Matthew 6.21 says, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And And he's calling their attention to examine this situation. And as we look in verses 9 and 10, stick to it. Stick to it. Verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Like I said, I had many thoughts about another Bible study tonight. I, I, I wanted to do something else, but I felt like I needed to finish what I started. That, that's a good policy in life for us to have, to finish whatever we start. That's the, that's the way things used to be, and, and we need to continue to do that. We need to do that today. We need to finish what we start in all that we do. One man was on the radio, uh, found, you know, you can find a, a few good preachers on the radio, and I was listening to one, and he was talking about his grandmother, and she decided she wanted to start teaching piano lessons out of the home. She faithfully taught piano lessons for 30 years. And she never stopped because it's something that she started. The, the very preacher that was given that testimony of his mother was sitting in a restaurant with his wife. And, and the waitress was at the table and they were just making conversation. All of a sudden marriage came up and they told the waitress, well, we've been married 50 years now. And she said, 50 years? I've never known anyone that has lasted that long. I went to the hospital a while back and, and I'm lost at the hospital without my wife. She can, she can keep track of where we go. I need to leave peanuts or something. I, I can't find my way through it and, and back. So I walk in. I find a, a lady wearing a nurse's uniform and I, man, I go right to her and I said, I'm looking for, for this floor, this tower, this building, this room, whatever it is. And she said, well, let me take you there. And we're walking along the way and she's pointing out everything in the hospital and I said, and I said, well, you must have been working here a long time. She said, well, 33 years. I said, wow, that's a good achievement. That's, that's a good accomplishment for you. She said, well, the kids needed food on the table. They needed clothes on their back. The bills needed to be paid. So I've done what I've needed to do. And she's been faithful to do what she needed to do. And she could already be retired, but she's not. Not that it's not okay to retire, but she's just continuing on. And, and we need to stick to it 
in whatever we're doing that's good and whatever we're doing that's right. It's well needed. We no longer live in a world where people stick to it today in, in anything. And, and so as these Galatians are in the process, they're in the process of not sticking to the truth. But all children of God, you and I, we have something worth sticking to. We, we, can, we need and should stick to it in the things of God in our Christian life and the Lord working through us and our, us working for the Lord and us working in the Lord together. I can't find anything better. I can't imagine anything better for us to do. And there's so many things that will try to get you and I off track and we need to keep the focus that Paul is sharing with Galatia that we need to stick to it. We need to stick to it in the things of God. We will reap amazing rewards in heaven and it will be worth what we do if we stick to it in serving the Lord. When things get rough and many quit, that's right about the time that God wants to bless. And we need to stick to it and be encouraged to stick to it. We can. Verse 10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Let us do good. That's simple enough, do good. We hear bad news all the time on the TV. There are bad things that our flesh is constantly trying to produce and do. We, we, need to, we need to not have our focus on bad things. We need to have our focus on good, on doing good. When, when we do good, we're giving glory to God. When we do good, we're being a good outreach for the Lord's church here. When, we're, when we do good, our families are blessed. We, we need to keep it simple and do good. Doing good is making us a blessing to others. If we're all in the mind to constantly be doing good, we're going to have a church that just grows even closer and closer together and stronger, and it's going to be good for all of us. Do good to all men, especially them which are of the household of faith. So your brothers and sisters in Christ that you, that you look around out here, we need not be chopping each other up. We, we need to be coming together and, and doing good. I tell you what, I, a lot of my family's gone off to heaven. As I've said before, you're my, you're my family. And, uh, and I love coming in here and being with you and, and doing good. And, and we do do good for one another. And, and it feels good. And that's what, that's what we should be doing. Well, let's look in verse 11. And Paul says, and, and this is kind of changing things for a second, but Paul says, you see how large a letter I have written to you with mine own hand. Paul usually had someone else record what the Holy Spirit was given to him, and he was saying it, someone else was recording it down. In this case, Paul personally took the pen, and as the Holy Spirit guided him, he wrote the letter with his own hand. He wrote large letters. It's very probable that Paul had 
an eyesight problem. I'm not going to try to go saying that was his thorn in the flesh. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. We, pastor, pastor's taught me not to guess on these. I like talking about stuff like that. And he says we don't need to guess on We need to figure out what God's already said clearly in His Word rather than guessing these things. But nevertheless, it's probable that Paul had that issue. He was writing large letters. Or, or this is a pretty, pretty long letter written to the churches in Galatia. Maybe that's the idea of the large letter. Nevertheless, he picked up the utensil and, and he wrote himself. He couldn't wait for someone to get there to write it for him because you had children of God saved by grace, saved by the gift of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're starting to listen to religion. Trying to do something for God. Thinking you're going to earn something with God. Thinking by some kind of outward ordinance like baptism or something like that, that one would be right with God. And that is, a, or circumcision in this case, which the Jews were trying to influence upon them. And there's nothing outward that is going to happen that's going to make one right with God. It's only through grace by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting in Him as your personal Lord and Savior. And that is it, and nothing else. And Paul found out about what they have done with the truth. And as I've said weeks back and months back, the letter is more firm than the letter to the churches at Corinth. Corinth was very carnal in things they were doing. Read through it, and you'll find it listed. He seemed to be more firm with someone that is turning from the truth and, and listening to something that they shouldn't be listening to. Well, verses 12 and 13, I wanted to finish the whole thing. We're going to stop right here, and there's, there's five beautiful verses that we'll close with next time I get the opportunity to come in here, and we'll finish up the book. But, but for 12 and 13, enduring persecution... Verse 12 says, As many as desire a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. We will endure persecution better when we realize the pressure that the truth puts on someone else. The Jews are around that truth. They're hearing truth. And all the others are expecting them to prevail and to corrupt this church. And they're, they just needed to stand strong for the truth. And, and praise God, not all of them are turning. There are those that know, that they know what they know that they know and they're not budging. And that's the way we should all be during a time of persecution. People are pressured by the truth. I took my nephew out to eat for his 17th birthday uh, a few days ago. We went to a restaurant, and, and I've never been to this restaurant before. Tony Manning recommended it, and I, he made it sound good. He can make food sound good. He loves food. And, and so, so I, I went, and I took him there, and, and he came up, and he said, can I take your drink order? And I said, well, I, I don't know anything about this place. Let me talk to you about this menu a little bit. And he said, no, if you wouldn't mind, let me take your drink order and, and I'll go get your water and your tea or whatever and bring it back and then we can talk about that. And I'm thinking, I'm the customer here. What, what's going on? Uh, so, but anyway, I gave in. And he went and took my drink order and came back. He said, 
He said, now let's talk about the menu. I said, you, you like to be in control, don't you? He said, well, somewhat. Well, one thing led to another, and he said something about prayer. I said, that's where your power is, and that's who's in control. And that led into us talking about the Lord. And when, he's, when he started admitting he's guilty before God, and before I got to the cross to tell him of the only way he's going to get to heaven, he started squirming and talking about everything in the world. He started out so solid and so sure of himself with me, bossing me around, telling me when I'm going to get food and when I'm going to get a drink. And next thing you know, he's squirming away from the gospel as much as he can. We would endure persecution that much more if we understood the pressure that the truth puts on someone. And out of love and a desire to see their soul saved, we should do that. Persecution becomes lust to us in the importance of their soul being saved. Look at verse 13. It says, For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory... In your flesh, the Jews among the Galatians here are fighting to corrupt their grace with their legalism so hard for the fear of the other Jews, they, they just had to dominate these Christians. They get their glory out of power. And that's what they were looking to do, but they were under the pressure to prevail. They're under the pressure of truth. Well, what does what, what, what Paul close with tonight? Watch out for pride. Examine yourselves. We'll all give an account. Be good stewards. Stick to it. Stick to it. We will reap if we faint not. But not only that, endure persecution. Well, these things were obviously given by God to Paul. These important things that... that he might close this letter with that they need to keep in mind. It's kind of like First Thessalonians chapter 5 and all those faithful things. Pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks and all those things we need to be faithful in and, and keep us sharp as children of God. These things were not only good for the churches in Galatia, they're just as good for you and I today. And may we meditate on these. I pray we remember them. I pray something is in our minds tonight from this that we might remember it. Well, I hope you've enjoyed being in God's house this evening. And I can't wait to close up with these last five verses. I don't know when we'll do it. I'd like to say thank you to Brother Rick for being faithful and teaching in here. And and I, and I trust and believe everything's going going great and on Wednesday night Bible study and it's good to be in here with you. Any final word before we close in prayer?